Ellie was sitting at her desk uh, across from Max and next to Isabel, writing in a small stapled book with a green cover, writes Anne Trubrick in her fascinating book, The, the History and Uncertain Future of Handwriting. Ellie had written the title, How the World Works, outlined in large letters and then colored them in red and green and blue. Inside the book that were 12 pages in which she had written in large, neat letters. Ellie is in second grade and was hanging out in a classroom during the second uh, Tuesday morning class of Mrs. Hammer's class, an elementary school in Shaker Heights, Ohio, writes Ann Trubrick, and was there to observe a, a, a typical handwriting lesson in an American public school. At the beginning of the class, Ellie went to type in her username in a, in a reading program on a computer that, that features bears that drum when a child gets the answer right. After Ellie finished writing in her book later in the day, and squatted next to her, she writes, and asked a question. Which do you prefer? Handwriting or typing in a computer? Ellie thought for a few moments and and stared up into the ceiling. And then she looked back down and said, I prefer writing. Why, Anne followed up. Because when you go to the computer, you have to find the letter and you don't know where it is. But a few minutes later, Ellie looked back at Anne, writes Traubeck, and it was clear she'd changed her mind. But when you write, she said, your hands hurt because you have to hold the pencil. Do you remember learning how to write? Do you remember being taught how to correctly hold that pencil between your your thumb and your forefinger? Do you remember making mistakes and then scrubbing them away with an eraser and, and all those little pink shavings filling the page? I remember being handed a cursive book in second grade, a book with those unforgiving straight lines where you had to trace a letter of the alphabet in an elegant swirl. I wasn't very good at the swirl or at cursive. I know how Ellie felt. I think my hand even hurt too. And Traubeck goes on to make the point in her book that even adults today, along with students, We straddle this line between able to communicate either through writing or typing. And which is better, people have begun to ask and research. What do you think? Are you someone who enjoys writing or not so much? 
May is Vision Month at Mayflower. Before we moved our fiscal year to the calendar year, we typically launched our stewardship campaign on on Vision Sunday, which was the first Sunday of May. For years, in other words, May at Mayflower has been Vision Month, but this month our focus is not on, on raising funds, but asking where God might be leading us in the coming three years. Our ultimate goal is called Mayflower Vision 2022, and we began two Sundays ago with the guidance from Proverbs and the prophet Jeremiah, teaching that from the Bible's perspective, vision is not something that emerges from our own ideas, our own wants, and really our own dreams. But the Hebrew word for vision actually refers to to revelation. Meaning from a biblical perspective, a, a vision appears before us. It's seen by us and it's given by God as a revelation. And how does that work? How do we discern a divine revelation? Last Sunday, Lynn brought us before Deborah, who was considered a judge in the Jewish scriptures, a judge who who led God's people by offering wisdom regarding matters of the law and strategy. Alongside her, her advisor, Barak, we read how divine revelation was shared between the two of them. To discern a vision, we realized it is, first of all, an act of faith that we do together. So as we launch Mayflower Vision 2022, know the, the, the church council invites everyone to follow in Barack and Deborah's footsteps and engage in this together. Which brings us this morning to Habakkuk. Now, outside of being a fun word to say, Habakkuk, I must admit it's somewhat rare that a pastor preaches on this book in the Bible. So this week, I had to brush up on my Habakkuk. So scholars note, for example, it was lightly written around the 7th century BCE, before the birth of Christ. It's composed by what is designated as a a minor prophet, which means it's just shorter than, say, the book of Isaiah. Writers in the New Testament also draw quite a bit from Habakkuk because there we find this insight that the just shall live by faith, which hundreds of years later is the central tenet of St. Paul's understanding of what it means to live as a follower of Jesus Christ, that we live by faith. The first chapter in Habakkuk is this fascinating dialogue between God and the prophet, where the prophet asks these pointed questions of God. Why is there violence in the world? asks Habakkuk. Why, O God, do you tolerate wrongdoing and wickedness and injustice? In the second chapter, we read God's response. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. 
few years ago, journalist Maria Konakova wondered in a New York Times article, does handwriting matter anymore? She was wrestling with the same question Trubick explored in her book, namely, as we straddle this line between communicating through writing or typing, why should anyone take the time to put pen to paper anymore? I mean, even signatures have become electronic. That's how Lynn and I filed this year's past tax return. We didn't sign or write anything. But what Konakova discovered, as one expert put it, when we write, this neural circuit in our brain is activated. And what it does is we learn more effectively and easier when we write instead of type. Furthermore, she learned how two psychologists, one at Princeton and one at the University of California, did studies in laboratories and in classrooms and learned that when students take notes by hand rather than typing them, it's more effective. Why? Writing by hand apparently allows a student to process a lecture and reframe it, creating a process of reflection that can lead to better understanding. In other words, yes, it might make our hand hurt. Yes, we might not want to do it. But something transformative occurs when we write by hand. We learn better, we reflect better, we gain a better understanding. Then the Lord replied to Habakkuk, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Which brings us to our passage from Proverbs where we read, let love and faithfulness never leave you bind them around your neck, and write them on the tablet of your heart. Which is a lovely verse, but, but what does it mean to write on the tablet of your heart? On your bulletin cover, you'll find just such a tablet. That's called the Jupiter tablet. and It's written in what is called cuneiform, Cuneiform, explains Trubeck in her book, was humanity's first writing system. It was invented 5,000 years ago in what is now Iraq and was most often written on clay tablets just a few inches square and an inch thick. Cuneiform means wedge-shaped. It's a term that the Greeks used for lines and triangles impressed onto wet clay with a stylus, this long, thin instrument, sort of similar to a pen. According to historians, the Jupiter tablet reveals how Babylonians use this geometrical model to figure out the path of Jupiter 5,000 years ago. Let that sink in for a moment. 
Ellie, a second grader in Shaker Heights, Ohio, wrote how the world works in her notebook. But 5,000 years ago, someone grappling with the same topic, how the world works, stared up at the stars, trying to discern the orbit of Jupiter, and took a stylus and wet clay and wrote down what he figured out. When the author of our verse in Proverbs implores us to write down love and faithfulness on the tablet of our heart, that's what he meant, that we seek to become Ellie and that stargazer with a stylus, and we try our darndest to figure out how the world works by writing. Julie Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, has sold over three million copies. And what captured the imagination of so many readers was her suggestion. When we're trying to figure out how the world works, we embark on what she called morning pages. Julie Cameron suggests one way we can get in touch with ourselves and better understand ourselves and even to think about that which is beyond ourselves is to set aside time every morning and to write three pages by hand. We don't stop until we've written three pages, writing down what's in our hearts and most importantly, what God might be trying to tell us. Meaning, if we truly desire to understand how something works, we take the time and the effort to put down our thoughts on paper, trusting that something transformative will happen. Because if you think about it, throughout the Bible, God keeps instructing one person after the other to listen for God's word. And as we read in Jeremiah today, Write it down. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, this past January, I drove through sleet and slow snow to Zingerman's Deli in Ann Arbor. And it wasn't for their brownies or their Reuben sandwich, but it was to attend a seminar on how to create a vision for an organization. Zingerman's is known for being one of the world's best delis, but it also teaches this method to help an organization discern a vision. So I've learned it's crucial, for example, to set aside time to receive a revelation, a revelation that Ari Weinsweig, the CEO of Zingerman's, calls a preferred future, a future that is exciting and joyful and full of possibilities, And that revelation appears, that preferred future appears, when we put pen to paper. I shared two Sundays ago, the church council has created this nifty booklet and invites every member and friend of Mayflower to imagine it is now June 2022. It's our annual meeting, three years from now.
and to write for 10 minutes describing what we are celebrating that day. In other words, what is our preferred future? The future we prayerfully discern that God is leading us toward. Dozens of members and friends of Mayflower have already spent time writing in those booklets. And so I invite you, one and all, to join in this process. And to know in many ways, as together we write for ten minutes, we do so alongside Ellie in her second grade classroom. We write alongside that astronomer 5,000 years ago. We write alongside Jeremiah writing down God's words. And yes, it's hard. Yes, our hand might hurt. But whenever we choose to write in faith and in joy and in expectation, something transformative happens. We learn better. We reflect better. And we gain a better understanding. So may we all, I pray, this month claim May as a month of vision. A time together to imagine our preferred future. A future for ourselves. And a future for Mayflower. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.